So uh, Jacob and I, we've been pretty good friends the last couple years. Um, he's been someone, he's become someone pretty dear to my heart. And we'll get to some of why that is further on in my story. But first I want to, I think it's really cool that you guys are doing this, taught this sermon series on gospel stories. Um, I'm not sure, I know Jacob's gone over humility, um, and that's, I'm pretty big into that whole thing as well, uh, but even just the concept of um, story in general, um, and how, I guess the the tagline is kind of how the gospel has impacted our stories, is that correct? Yeah, okay, so the, the power of story, it's when it's, when it's told honest, um, when it's vulnerable, when it's humble, it can cause those who are here hearing the story to experience or practice empathy and grace. You join in on the journey of somebody else's. Um, and in so doing, it's, it's invitational. Like you're invited to participate in this story, um, to engage with it. And like I believe God is, with, with a, he's constantly invitational, constantly inviting us into something. So in some ways, stories can be incarnational um, and just truly powerful. And I think too often we fall into this, this judging and condemning others. Um, you see it all around in our culture simply because we refuse to listen to other people's stories. Um, and it's, really, it's a lot easier to keep people at arm's length when we refuse to... Um, to know anything about them, to see the journey they've been on, why they've come to the conclusions they're, they've come to, um, and yet we get pissed off if, if they don't agree with where we're at or the conclusions that we've come to. And so um, I'm going to go into, hopefully I'm doing this right, but I'm going to go into a little bit of my story. I'm going to start like way back with my parents because I think to some degree it's applicable. Um, my parents grew up Amish. Um, they left soon after they got married, and it caused such division, like pretty much a lot of Amish, they're looking for any reason to split in general. So I've heard churches splitting for uh, a, a segment of people in the church not agreeing with how long their hat like width should be, so they split, and then you have people who think it should be shorter or longer, whatever. Um, so they're always looking for a reason to split usually. Um, and my parents, they decided to join the church, they got married, and then they decided to leave the church. Half the church, I believe half, agreed that they should be excommunicated, cut off, um, because they decided to leave, uh, with my grandfather leading that side. So he thought that they should be, be shunned or excommunicated. The other half ended up thinking they shouldn't be, and that was too harsh, and ended up splitting the church. Um... So my parents left. My dad was a drug addict, even when he was Amish. Um, and they were kind of on their own. Okay, I'm trying to look at the time. I, I never take note of time, and I, I kind of know there's a time limit. So, um, And so they were kind of on their own. They hadn't really encountered God in a true way before. They only knew how to obey the church. My dad was always kind of a rebel anyway, as you can tell he was a drug addict, and did whatever he wanted. He had a really crazy night with Bob Seger one night, and I guess he had the best, dad had the best weed that he ever had, and invited him to party with him anytime. but like that was my, my dad. Um, and until 
Eventually, he had a supernatural encounter with God after a car accident, some intense suffering. Um, and he, it, like he, he heard God speak to him. There was a lot of miraculous things that happened in my parents' early um, story um, with Christ. And um, it solidified their faith in the Christ that was both invitational and miraculous. Um, and so although he was a painter and a craftsman by trade, he started feeling called to the ministry. And eventually we moved from uh, Holmes County, Ohio, to Manassas, Virginia, which is like a suburb of D.C. now. Um, and he became a, the assistant pastor of a spirit-filled Southern Baptist church. I don't know if that anyone knows what that means. I'm guessing by some of the laughs, some of you guys know. Uh, yeah, it was, it was really weird. Um, but, you know, it was, it was cool. That's all I knew. It was fun. Um, I knew a lot of hymns. Uh, but after seven years of living there, uh, we ended up moving to Dover, New Philly area. And uh, my father became the assistant pastor of a charismatic church in Dover. And uh, that's how I met Kip over here. Kip was my first youth leader. Or not my first one, but he was one of them. Um, I'm grateful that he's here today with us. Um, and so we were there for several years, and then around the time that I graduated high school, I went to New Philly High School, um, went to college, and my parents moved to Canton, and um, my father planted a church in uh, Apple Creek close to Worcester called Freedom Fellowship Church. So uh, I mentioned the Charismatic Church. Is anyone here familiar with the Charismatic Church? A little bit? Cool, cool. Uh, those who aren't, uh, how do I describe the charismatic church? Um, they believe in the miraculous, um, healing, spiritual giftings, manifestations, all that stuff. Um, and I share, I, we're going to kind of get into this be- a little bit because I have like a, I don't know if it's been like a love-hate relationship with the charismatic church. This is like my tribe, you know, it's, I don't know if I'll ever fully leave. Are there any gamers out here? Has anyone played Event or uh, Horizon Zero Dawn? Yeah, like I th- that that really like impacted me on a deep level because I felt like her, like I was a part of this tribe that was worshiping something that was a lot smaller than the big scope of things, and I was sent out, maybe pushed out to go see what else you know was out there and but I can still only relate to my tribe in a certain way a lot of times. Um, and feeling called to be kind of be a bridge to that as much as I can. And so um, there's, a, there's a gift that the charismatic tribe really has, and that's this wanting to be a part of whatever uh, God, even if it looks weird, like whatever God has for us today. Um, there's some, but the bad part is a lot of them have embraced some bad theology, theology throughout the years. There's some emotionalism. I grew up with that. A lot of pride, ego, thinking we have it all together. I know probably every denomination has that to some extent. We have full truth. No one else does. Um, and so uh, we went to a different church um, here in Canton for five years or so after my wife and I um, got married. Um, and it was kind of a break from a lot of that, and in some ways it was good, in some ways it was 
we, there was a part of it that we really missed. Uh, but kind of going back, I skipped ahead a little bit. So I went to Indiana Wesleyan University. Um, I was undeclared as a freshman. And despite getting like prophetic words about being feeling called to be uh, a pastor, uh, I became a business major. And I, ma I double majored in marketing and management. Graduated in 2007. Um, I was never taught how the correct way to, to preach or to prepare a sermon. Um, and so I'm, I'm very humbled that Jacob would ask me to, to, to speak here because I know Jacob and Chris are very well learned um, and can unpack things and understand things that I probably couldn't even begin to. Um, but uh, soon after graduating, I came back home, lived with my parents in Canton and started hanging out with this Malone girl who I eventually married. And we have four children and a little new little kitten. Um, and it's been great. Um, and in that time, during our engagement, I was in India for eight months. So that was fun, too. Um, so after being at this other church locally for five years or so, we were invited by my father to plant uh, another church, an extension of his church uh, in Apple Creek. And so um, we, and we felt peace about it. We were kind of ready to re-engage in some of those things. And um, three years ago, we planted Freedom Chapel close to downtown. And um, I'd always felt, I always felt this struggle with feeling capable as, as a pastor or some kind of speaker. I feel like, to some degree, a lot of the American church has fallen into um, kind of the business side of the American culture and how we promote based on teaching ability or how excited and inspirational we can be when, when there's some substance or character issues that are really at the core of, of problematic. Um, and you see a lot of these leaders falling now that um, didn't have the right foundation. Um, but I still felt like I, you know, I didn't, I wasn't trained. This was like a really a big leap of faith for me to even uh, like agree to being a pastor. Um, it probably didn't help that we didn't have any kind of like business plan or church plan or whatever. Didn't even really have a model. Uh, we, I, I kind of had some ideas, like I wanted it to be more experiential and creative. Um, wanted it to be like totally all about it being simple, not an elaborate show. Um, and we found this treasure as we were engaging in some of these things in embracing imperfection, embracing vulnerability, and um, the awkward even. It's finding a beauty and just being real, you know what I mean? I, I don't know if that's because I'm a like, millennial or whatever, but um, we had humble beginnings. We gathered with a small group of people, and we still didn't really know who we were or what we were about. It was, I don't know, like half the church didn't know, wasn't familiar with my background, and I was kind of relying on other people within that tribe to help, like, share the speaking role because I didn't really feel that confident in any way. And I'm like, I'm working full time. I'm not getting paid for this. This is just for fun. Um, and I have four kids, and I'm trying to be active in, in that life. And it was um, yeah, very interesting. Um, 
and yet I was still kind of pushing back against some of the dark side of the charismatic church that I grew up in and um, didn't really want to fully be that either. And so um, about a year into the church being there, I started a deconstruction of sorts. Is anyone familiar with that term, deconstruction? Okay, it's like really, it's a really popular term now um, within church circles, but essentially it's questioning your framework and realizing like a lot of us have have lived under this box and what God looks like and what we look like in relationship to him. Um, and as long, like religion will tell us to stay within the box and not talk to too many people outside this box or this framework or, or question it um, because um, you'll go off the deep end and God's not there. Um, that and it, and it somehow it works when as long as you stay within this framework, you don't talk to too many people, this understanding of God and how everything works, works until usually suffering, something intense happens that you can't explain within that framework. And because a lot of us don't know how to question, we're not taught how to question, um, we're encouraged not to question, we usually end up spiraling into this like, I have everything I believe is a lie, does God even exist, whatever. It can get to be pretty extreme, and we're not taught how to um, engage in a healthy reconstruction after that. So I found myself, after a year of pastoring, as a pastor of this church, and really struggling in what I believed and why, Um, and I got pretty melancholic, and I don't do good with melancholy, and my wife doesn't do good with me being that way either. Um, and luckily, I, I pretty uh, quickly en- embraced um, more mystical, a more mystical Christianity framework um, or uh, contemplative Christianity. And that really grounded me. Um, and we'll get into some of that too. But Jacob was one of the few that I could reach out to during this time and reaffirm like, you're not a heretic. Like, the questions you have, they're not bad. And you point at church history and, sh- and begin reaffirming, um, like, everything that I was going through and, and encouraging me. And so uh, it was th- more through that that we started engaging in uh, more deeper friendship. And I'm really thankful for, for what he's brought to me in my life. You guys are very fortunate to have him here. I think it's beautiful even just seeing how we talked a little bit about separating from those we don't agree with, how Chris and Jacob are very different people. I don't know if you guys have realized that or not. And even with some of their approaches to theology are different, and yet they 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 uh, talk about this, they engage in conversation, and they they still make this work. And I think that's beautiful. Um, that's kind of kind of the point. So um, some of the things that contemplative and mystical Christianity brought me was encouraged me to of, to let go of the need to have a definitive answer. We feel like we a lot of times need to get to the end of this pursuit of truth uh, that we have the, the have the entire uh, knowledge of the universe or whatever or the the keys for God's kingdom and um, and it, and this taught me how to just embrace mystery, that it wasn't about getting to an end point. It was about enjoying the journey, that God has an invitation 
um, today that he's wanting to invite me into. Um, and I shouldn't be so distracted about these questions that I have to forget that. Challenge me to be aware of the, that present invitation, um, the provided practices, um, and letting go of many distractions we constantly get entrapped in. And that's us as a culture. I feel like we're obsessed with distracting ourselves. Um, and engage questioning while acknowledging the supernatural and miraculous. So um, it's, it's like whatever, whatever the Holy Spirit wants to do through me, um, I want to be a part of it. Whether it's extravagant or if it's simple. And that's kind of where my tribe kind of missed it a lot of times. Is it can't look like something simple. It has to be extravagant all the time. Um, it challenges ego and pride. Um, and battles it with humility and union. Um, it, and this became kind of like our new focus as a church. Um, we began teaching. We began practicing and questioning. We did, we did um, contemplative practices together uh, within our church community. And um, a God that we had once limited to operating out of a certain limited framework became this huge and universal force of love with the, the ability to wreck all of our walls and selfish pursuits. Um, didn't really matter. Like, and, and we practice having grace for, for people who believe different things than us, and um, that getting it right wasn't really the point either. And, not, and having the humility to admit that we didn't have it all right yet either. Like, I don't know how I'll look in 10 years from now, but we're going to practice on hearing each other and journeying together um, in the midst of that. And he, he became a, the, the God of the questioning and this mystery that we're never going to fully know. How dare I even say that I had that, full, like could fully understand it. Um, but it began to be exciting as we just pursued this mystery that is God. It didn't demand that we leave the questions behind and believe harder in what we already believe. And that really, that's not what faith is. Um, but faith is being willing to, to believe in this, the goodness of God despite having the questions and the doubt. I began writing liturgical call and response prayers that we would engage in together. We practiced Lectio Divina, centering prayer, meditation, contemplation. We tried to engage all the senses in our worship experience. We never stuck with one tr Christian tradition, but we tried to find the beauty in the Holy Spirit. In all of them, uh, we practiced being open to what the Holy Spirit was inviting us into. And I began to feel called to provide a safe place for people to engage in their own questions. Jacob, is it okay if I go a little over? Cool. All right. He did, he's kind of at my mercy right now. So, um, And we didn't sh shy away from topics of suffering, uh, but challenged each other to find like this invitation within the suffering. We don't believe God causes the suffering, uh, but that could be used for growth and, and beauty. And that this kingdom work was the pursuit, is the, it's, it's the pursuit of health, body, soul, and spirit, and then spreading that to the rest of creation. This is this kingdom renewal that we were invited into. And then last year came, and last year was hell. And my wife and I hadn't really ever truly suffered before, but last year it was just like one thing after another. It was traumatic things that happened. Um, as with any relationship with people, it can get messy. There were messy things that happened. Some pushback from my tribe on like my approaches to scripture and um, 
but at the same time, I was already pretty confident in, in some of the theology I was uh, engaging in and my approach to God anyway, so I wasn't really sh- that shocked. It was just frustrating. Um, there was death in our family, um, just a lot of suffering, and it became overwhelming. And I, I, simply, I got to this place where I was simply maintaining what had already been done instead of um, pursuing growth and vision. And, um, and all the, the, the tension, the stress, and the anxiety, everything I was trying to hold together, I would just push down. I, I didn't even realize that I was feeling these things until I finally got to the end of this pinnacle, and it was just like, all right, I'm tired. I'm, I'm kind of done. And so uh, last October, September, October, we, we ended up closing Freedom Chapel and um, just started – I mean, I guess I have enough other things to do. Like, I just kept working full-time and uh, investing in my family. And I struggled with this lack of purpose until I realized, like, the one thing that had changed was that I stopped doing these ancient contemplative practices and this meditation and actually taking a break and realizing that I should have plenty of uh, places to find purpose in besides, like, having this role of pastor. Realizing that I'll always be a pastor, no matter if I have the title or not. That's just kind of an outflow of who I am. And so, looking back, I don't have any regrets about starting the church. We've grown immensely. Um, We've been going to my father's church, which is a more charismatic church. And I'm practicing just wherever I'm invited to to be a bridge, um, wherever uh, I have grace for, um, being careful with challenge just waiting till I'm invited to do that, to share, um, and, and being okay with, uh, practicing being okay with not agreeing with everything that's said or the approach to everything, because I don't think that's the point of church. Um, and so it's been, it's been really good. Bridge work is not the most fun. It's not the easiest, um, but I, I feel like it's still, it's, it's been good. Um, I don't know if... Um, We kind of got into this uh, putting God in a box stuff already. Religion pushes us to only be around people who like us and believe the same as us. It push it becomes the shackles that keeps us enslaved to Pharaoh. It causes us to wish to go back to the predictability of slavery instead of experiencing true freedom in the promised land. Um, I began realizing God can only be understood within the context of true union and relationship. And it's like I could have heard for years about how wonderful my wife was before I met her, but until I'm actually in relationship with my wife and experience who she is intimately um, and really know her, it doesn't matter what I read or hear about, like it changes everything. You can't fully put that into words. And that's how I think we need to approach God. He's a God of wonder that needs to be journeyed with and explored, and we can't ever fully understand him. And any doctrine that keeps us from intimately uh, uniting with him needs to be discarded or being willing, we need to be willing to hold it loosely, um, even if you don't even understand fully what he's inviting you into. We have to be able to inter- like approach life out of, knowing who God is, you know, more intuitively, I feel like. Um, and if, if 
it's always going to lead like s- the outflow of spiritual giftings and um, fruits of the spirit. Like that's that's what you look at. You can tell by the fruit where like if you're on the right track. So Christ needs to become our hermeneutic, the way we interpret. It's not about right belief as much as practicing humility and awareness. Humility and admitting you don't fully know and being aware of what the Spirit is presently inviting you into. I had some stuff that I would written down in a journal recently. I don't, it's kind of getting pretty long on time. I can skip that, Jacob. Can we skip it? Huh? You want me to read it? All right. I'm going to read it. And I'm sorry if this is kind of all over the place. It's just kind of how, how I work, I guess. Many of us do not grow up knowing how to question without spiraling down a deep abyss, abyss, a deep abyss of despair. When you look at Eastern cultures and traditions, this is not so much the case. Holding things loosely, being willing to journey with questions as opposed to getting to the end of them is how they learn to approach life from an early age. In the West, and the church is no exception, we pronounce our unquestionable conclusions, surround ourselves with like-minded people, and teach our children the same unquestionable truths we currently believe, only to later ostracize and shame them when they later find that our answers are insufficient for them and spiral down their own abyss of doubt and questioning. We long to control the journeys of others, We cannot allow them to misstep or get off the path we have found safety in because we fear where they will end up. And yet in Scripture, we see Jesus promise that he is sending the Holy Spirit to guide and direct us. If we're actually seeking, might it be possible to come across the Spirit of God, allowing him to illuminate this way to the kingdom? Might he even take us down different paths and different journeys based on our own unique selves and history to get to that promised land? And what if, we, what, if we, what we have been taught about him and God in general have been wrong? Might he not lead us to question and examine those foundations? Maybe we need to even leave for a minute to get rid of the punitive, mean God to discover the beauty of a loving God. Jesus asked questions. It was a part of his Jewish culture. Many times he did not give clear, literal answers. He led the questioning And the church of that day killed him because of the conclusions those questions were leading to. It may be easy to blame the liberals or the seminaries or the colleges, etc. That's like my tribe at least. um, For a person's loss of faith. But ultimately I think it comes down to our inability to have faith that the Holy Spirit can really be entrusted to help lead others to truth in a different way than he did with us. Truth is not a specific ideology or belief system. Truth is the person of Christ. It springs out of a relationship of trust. There's a lot of grace to grow to and from different doctrines, beliefs, and practices within that journey to truth. And so I don't get intimidated or offended by the conclusions others have come to anymore, just as I don't believe that God does either. My God's big enough to handle someone's doubt, frustration, bitterness, cynicism. He is God for us in the midst of our humanity. He understands, and he's still for us. Some of the keys I had to, to learn um, was to let go of my need to defend or explain my own journey away from what I had believed in. Um, and I had to let go of the need to make other people believe or come to my same conclusions. Um, 
God's grace far surpasses our limited understanding or perspectives. He can move in the midst of our bad or incomplete theology, and we all have some bad, incomplete theology, and that's based on our own journeys and our own hurts and woundedness. If he has grace for mine, I must approach others with the same grace. He's the God of the Exodus. Um, it's a journey away from the familiar, and it's, it's sojourning with him, with the tribe of people, you know, who might be a motley crew and different to that promised land. Um, Jacob, if you want to come back up. And if you guys don't mind, I pray, and I'm going to hand it over to Jacob. Lord, I thank you that you're faithful, even in the midst of our unfaithfulness. I thank you that you're not calling us to perfection. You're not calling us to know what everything's supposed to look like at any given time, but you're just calling us to be humble and aware, to, uh, to experience wholeness, Lord, and to give that wholeness away, and that we can become a part of this, um, this divine dance that is Trinity that's inviting us to, uh, to give away and constantly be filled with your presence. I pray that you would be all with all of us as we go out from this place. Christ's name, amen.